Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam. I have returned, but two people have been here this whole time and those people are Joe Roberts, Matt Collier. How are you doing, lads? Thanks for welcoming me back. Um, I'm doing good, Sam. I'm very disappointed Josh is not here um, mm. to, to take his rightful place as, as host. Wow. Mean. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, well, good. Thank you, Sam. I uh, hope you enjoyed your holiday. And yeah, it's good to see F1 is back. And yeah, very much looking forward to it. Yeah, no, certainly. Th- thanks, Matt. See, look how much kinder Matt is to Joe. Joe's like, Josh has been better. And I'm going to be honest here, Josh has done a really great job um, filling in for me last two or for the few weeks that I was away. So really appreciate that. And thanks to Josh. But he's not here today. Poor from him. Anyway. This is our spa preview as F1 returns, but we haven't technically done a Hungarian Grand Prix review. So before anything else, let's quickly go back to Hungary. I know it was quite a few weeks ago, but Matt, we'll start with you. What were your thoughts on the Hungarian Grand Prix? Um, It wasn't going to live up to its expectations of last year being the best race um, which we all voted for uh, the best way probably to describe it was a game of chess uh, there's a lot of strategy um, it wasn't like the most thrilling race in terms of like crashes safety cars um, but yeah um, Verstappen um, qualified 10th and finished first at Hungary which they call um, Monaco about the boats um kind of just shows the progress they've made with all these regulation changes and yeah i i enjoyed it because it was a lot of strategy um but i know joe found it quite boring <laughs> oh yeah as my my opinion on hungary just cut if you watch the preview basically stayed the same it was the only way this race was going to get exciting if tyre came into it and it didn't really, um, from what I can remember. Obviously, it was a couple of it was three weeks ago, but yeah, as in, I think the one thing you can take out of this race is that Max has now basically got one hand on the trophy. With I think it's only twelve. Was it twelve rounds gone? I think if I can remember. Twelve. Uh, this this will be the fourteenth round. Well, fourteenth oh, round gone. Thank you, man. Fourteenth uh, round gone, and then you got like. Um, nine races left so it's it's pretty um, obvious that in that in that race around Hungary that Ferrari made mistakes they're not a well-oiled machine they I think need to fire some people maybe there's um, some questions on the team principal uh, Bonotto so it's it's like that as in I, I remember Sky saying that Ferrari should have 110 points in in like in the championship if they just didn't make mistakes. So Leclerc would be leading. Ferrari would be top of the constructors rather than near a very slow Mercedes. So I think from the race as a whole, nothing really much happened except from Max spinning or sorry, not Max spinning, Max going through the field start when starting 10th and just then annihilating the field and then Ferrari deciding to do a four stop or was it three stop or 
Carlos Sainz and uh, I can't remember and Leclerc as well. So yeah, very weird strategies and also some questionable driving from some of the Ferrari um, drivers as well. Yeah, the the thing with the Hungarian Grand Prix being a few weeks ago is that. I mean, talking about it now, it's good to remind ourselves. It's been a long break. It's good to uh, remind people where we left off. And, yeah, it wasn't the race that I certainly thought that it could be. I'm a massive fan of this track. I love the Hungarian Grand Prix. But while it did bring quite a bit of overtaking, it was more, as Matt said, strategy-based. And Ferrari mentioned it already strategy was so so poor and it's cost them again it's just a recurring thing every week and it is actually really frustrating to see because Red Bull have walked away with it in my opinion I'm going more extreme than Joe Joe says Verstappen has one hand on the trophy I think he's had both hands on the trophy for about three like even before Hungary I just think that this season while it's been great in terms of midfield and seeing teams around there, I think Max Verstappen's just been clear throughout. And when Max spins, he still wins. That is the thing. You've had Leclerc spin and Sainz spin this year, and it's just not worked out for them. But Max just has this consistency that even when he makes mistakes, he quickly corrects them and he can still power on to win. And that's why he's going to win this year. And he's just such an amazing driver. But yeah, Ferrari from a strategy standpoint really needs to sort themselves out. Other than that, great double podium for Mercedes. I know that it might be because some drivers didn't do as well as they could have done, but Mercedes have been there to capitalise. Last few races, Mercedes have really come into it. Russell third, Hamilton second. Hamilton was really catching Verstappen at the end, and it was, if the race was a few laps longer, then potentially could have had a fight for the win. But yeah, Mercedes coming back into it, and with this new regulation change, which will supposedly hinder Red Bull especially, who knows, maybe they will be fighting for wins. But yeah, that those were my thoughts on the Hungarian Grand Prix. And today, well, it'll come out tomorrow. So yesterday we've had some big news in F1. And this is an opportunity to play. Have I got F1 news for you? And it's completely obvious. And it's it'll be really easy for you to guess. This was from F1, and it's just a reason to talk about it. Here is the statement. You've got to guess the missing words. Daniel Ricciardo to leave blank at the end of the season. McLaren. There you go. Matt's got it Sponsor. No, not quite. I'm 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 joking, yeah. Leave F1. Who knows? But, yeah, in this, it is... McLaren. McLaren and Danny Ricciardo have mutually agreed to terminate his contract one year early, meaning the eight-time race winner will depart at the end of 2022. McLaren say they will announce the partner for Norris in 2023 in due course. Ricciardo will do the same regarding his own future plans, but suggested he is keen to stay in F1. Ricciardo is currently 12th in the driver's standings on 19 points, 
57 adrift from Norris after 13 Grand Prix. His best finish of the year was sixth in Australia, while Norris has four top six finishes, including a podium at Imola, and is the only driver outside of the top three to get a podium. Let's be real, this news only confirms what has been reported for weeks and what we've pretty much known for weeks. But do you think this is the right decision? And will Ricardo be able to find a seat in F1 for 2023? Um, I'll go first on this one. I, I, I... Personally, I believe that Daniel Ricciardo is a extremely talented driver, and I I I do still tip him as being probably in the top eight of this current grid. And the reason I would say that is in his Red Bull days, back it up his um, latter stages of his Renault days, back it up, and when he's feeling confident in the car. He can win any race in terms of the fact of what happened at Monza. Obviously, Hamilton basically having to go through the whole field kind of helped that. But I don't know. As in, I can understand from a McLaren point of view is he's not putting the results, only got 19 points. Um, I do think it's probably the right stage for McLaren um, and for Ricardo just because it's not working out and... Um, I don't think there should be any um, like wrongdoing the McLaren have done. I think they've tried their best with Ricardo and tried to help him with the car. Um, but I do see a future uh, in F1 for him. And if he goes, for, if he retires from F1, it will be a big shame because he is a very talented driver. But then what... You could also argue the fact is some drivers that might be past their best are in in F1 and holding up a seat for the young uh, guns in F2. So it's a bit, I don't know, it, it feels a bit weird saying that Carter might leave at the end of the season, but I've got a feeling that Haas will, will take him, as in there's reports that there's Gunter Steiner does like Daniel Ricciardo so there could be an option there um so yeah and there's also reports Aston Martin wants Schumacher because Vettel keeps on recommending him so there might be they might might be able to see him F1 so we'll have to wait and see um yeah I think it was right for um Ricciardo to leave McCarran um it just didn't seem very comfortable in the car this season um but yeah as joe said he's a very talented driver um even at red bull in 2014 um he was competing with sebastian vettel and yeah he got so many great uh wins and had great races um i think the flashpoint really was baku um with verstappen um i think that's kind of the spiral decline of how Ricardo's career has gone down, but yeah, he's got loads of experience. Um, it'd be a shame to see him leave the sport, and yeah, we'll have to wait and see if he gets a seat uh, next year. Yeah, I'm going to agree with all of you, and yeah, it is tough because I have been saying throughout the season that Daniel Ricardo is a great driver, but it's just not worked out for him, and. 
if you this sport is very results based and money based to be fair in the cases of Latifi and Stroll but mainly this sport is a results business and he's just not getting the results that McLaren need to compete I mean you see Lando Norris's teammate is absolutely smoking him and his poor form and his struggle to get in the points on a weekly basis is pulling Alpine closer every week. So I think that, I mean, he does keep his seat for the rest of the season, but I think it is the right decision to let him go. At the end of the day, in order for this to happen, Ricardo has had to agree to terminate his contract and he is going to get a shed loads of money. So I don't feel like devastated for him because he's he's got a load of money like for them to terminate his contract. And it looks like Piastri will come in, which is like, I bet it'll be like heartbreaking for him. Just another, he's being replaced by a younger Australian. Like that must be quite, it must be quite hard for him just thinking, oh, I used to be that guy and now I'm kind of getting phased out. But Will he get a seat for next year? You've mentioned a few locations. Alpine, potential there. Hass are looking at him. Hass are also looking at Hulkenberg. I'm throwing it out there. Not relevant, but I'm excited at that possibility. But, yeah, I think he... Going back to Alpine makes sense because he was at Renault. But McLaren have made the right decision. Piastri looks like it's coming in, just waiting for confirmation. And it's a real shame because incredibly talented driver top eight on the grid currently maybe a bit of a stretch joe for me but he is definitely incredibly well no 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 and sam i need to argue this before i get comments on the reason i say he's a top eight driver is but the fact is in the red bull days he dethroned a four-time world champion out of a team in um in Vettel that that basically went to Ferrari because he was too scared of being displaced by Red Bull and it was this again he did what kind of based the same when Verstappen came in but when Ricardo has a decent car and is comfortable with this braking and whatever he is one of the best drivers in F1 it's just the fact is He's kind of, because of this, the world of F1 being a diplomatic base and you you kind of having to pick your own team and picking the potential, he's kind of got it horribly wrong in going when he went to Renault and then it kind of was a downhill spiral from there. Mm, um, yeah. But he, just... he did, again, he did have, op- if, if, for example, if he was in a Ferrari... He would be challenging Max and challenging Leclerc. That that's how I view it. But it, it might if he if if yeah if he leaves F one then that's that's just a state of play. But for me, he is one of the top eight drivers. Yeah, I'm gonna still disagree with you, but I, I I understand your point of view. He was great at Red Bull. I just think that no matter if he's used to the car, I just couldn't put him in the top eight drivers personally. But that's just personal decision. Now let's move on to why we're here to preview 
the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. First of all, looking at the track, and the track is the Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps. It is a 7.004-kilometre circuit with two DRS zones, 19 corners, and 44 laps. What are your thoughts on this track? Do you think that... I mean, of course, there's a lot of speculation on it at the moment. Do you think it's a good track, and do you think it's worth keeping on the calendar? Uh, Matt, do you want to go first? Or you... Yeah, uh, it's fine. I'll go first. Uh, I went to this track in 2019. Uh, saw Leclerc get his first ever Grand Prix win um, in at a time which was a, a legal Ferrari power unit. Um, but yeah, um, I really like this track. Um, there's very little room for error. And yeah, it's really satisfying seeing the cars um, throw in at every corner and yeah they've made some uh small changes uh, they basically opened up some of the the corners and yeah i really, I really, really like this track and uh, we'll have to see uh what happens this weekend um i've already seen some social media um, f1 teams posting stuff about the weather um but yeah really like this track yeah i i I think it would be a crime if this track is taken off the calendar, just due to the fact that, um, yes, it's it's a dangerous track, which every, um, as we've seen from Silverstone, every uh, circuit is dangerous. Uh, but I think this is one of the pinnacle corners, El Rouge going into Radion. Um, so, yeah, as in... It is one of the pinnacle circuits. It's one of the original, I think, one of the original circuits, I think, um, of of F1. Um, obviously, different circuit because it went through the uh, forest. But, yeah, as in, I, I, I do think F1 will be getting it very terribly wrong to get real children just due to the fact that it's a very popular circuit with the teams, with the drivers, and also the fans. The only way this circuit, I think, gets off the calendar if, if it rains too much and it, it just looks like it um, potentially um, what potentially happening this week. So be interesting to find out, but I'll be, again, very disappointed to see uh, this track off the calendar if, if it happens. Yeah, it is a... <sighs> It would be a shame, as you said, to lose it. It's a mix of long straights and challenging corners, which forces drivers to really push their cars to the limits. It has, as you mentioned, the iconic Eau Rouge and Radion section, which tests a driver's nerve going flat out up a steep incline. I've previously mentioned, I think last year, how I felt like the corner needs more safety measures as you're going at such pace. And that has been added this year. They have added some safety features to that corner. I mean, I haven't seen them. I don't know until the race weekend what they're going to be. But I think that it's good, good that they've added them. Hopefully, we won't have to see them in action this weekend. It really is a historically wet track, which considering last year is quite an understatement i think it has rained during the race in each of the last five races i might be wrong but is it not am i wrong no. 
No, I just mentioned 2019, and I didn't mention any rain. That's true. Matt, you're ahead of the game. It might have been the five, like, uh, weekends. Maybe that's where I've seen the stat. I've probably got the stat wrong, though. But it is a a historically very wet track, and it provides good racing. The mixed conditions makes it a lot more interesting than the tracks, which are always the same weather because it means that strategy calls can be changed you have drivers on the grid like russell and even i'll back him up nicholas latifi bit of a wet weather specialist so it means they can thrive and can have some freak positions so the different weather means it can be very entertaining and it often has good racing so hopefully it stays on the calendar for next year but yeah, that is Spa. Let's look at last year's race in Belgium. It really was action-packed. I, oh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to cram it all into the podcast, but I'll, I'll try my best. Uh, let's start with qualifying. And in Q3, we had Lando Norris uh, crashing, going up Eau Rouge and Radion, bringing out a red flag, which caused the stewards to hear the rack. Or um, of Sebastian Vettel. He really did have a go at Michael Massey that day. He was not happy at all. It ended up finishing with Verstappen first, Russell second, and Hamilton third in qualifying. And then on the way out to the grid, the action started early with Sergio Perez crashing, going from, I think it was P7 all the way down to P19, well, at first it didn't look like he was going to be able to race at all, but they did get his car fixed. Good thing they did because he gained so many positions during the race. And in the end, after two formation laps and two laps under the safety car, the race was abandoned. The top 10 got half points, which I'm pretty sure if I remember rightly, me and Joe ranted about for about an hour last (laughs) year. And it was a complete shambles. And yeah, hopefully we don't get the same this year. It was definitely the pinnacle moment where F1 fans all of a sudden, if they saw that there was going to rain during the weekend, it used to be, oh, that's going to make the rain the, the race really excited. And then for the next few weeks after that, whenever you saw rain, it was like the race might not go ahead. We might have Belgium 2.0 and oh, it was just a complete mess. But let's look back at a memory from the weekend. I mean, so many to choose from. But um, Matt, Joe, what was a memory you're going to pick from the weekend? I'll uh, go first. Shall I? I've got one. Well, yeah, I'm going to rant about something. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I'm going to choose Quali. I'm going to choose um, the hot prospect, and that was Russell the Williams. Um, put in one of the best quality laps he's ever done in very wet conditions at Belgium. And yeah, I know he got a podium because of the scuff race, but um, yeah, that, that qualifying alone kind of proves to Toto, Toto Wolf um, how good he is and that he deserved to be um, in that Mercedes. And yeah, to out-qualify a seven-time world champion in Hamilton in a Williams um, kind of just shows how good Russell was in the wet and yeah you've already mentioned uh, Lando Norris crashing um, yeah but they're, they're the main two that I've chosen 
Well, yeah, for, for me, it's um, <laughs> the fact is that um, points. I, I, yeah, again, me and Sam, I, I'm just going to mention it. Um, the fact is that it based, if you look back on it now, it kind of, this race basically made the championship level. Um, that's a number of mistakes that Michael Massey has said. We're not going to go into that, but yeah, as I think obviously it's um, uh, I'm joking about that, but yeah, it's 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 well, it is a talking point. But anyway, um, Russell, I think is probably uh, the highlight. Just again, what Matt said due to the fact that he beat Lewis Hamilton. There's an argument that should he got a podium. Probably not. Is the argument should have got points? Yes, there is. Um, but that's, yeah, we're not going to go into that. But that's that's my highlight. It's just chaos. Nice. I I I like your pick. It was um, yeah. It, it it was certainly an interesting time with those half points. Oh, but- no, no, no. Also, also the fact that. Um, the fact is, it, it was if it was level on points, but his, his win, Max's one win, was at Spa as well. Uh, as in, so, it, yeah. Wow, it's it, you know what, Joe? I'm just really glad that you're over it. I'm really glad that you've you've gone through it and you're totally over it now. I can see you're not salty about it at all, and it's great that you've moved on. I'm pr- I'm proud of you, mate. Um, my memory from the weekends wasn't so much on track. I am going for the F1 marshals. They were my highlight of the weekends because. I was never going to choose something on track because I knew it would just spark a, a rant. But the F1 marshals were the pick of several options. I could have gone for the Alpine Macarena and card games. Could have gone for the McLaren garage on one end, Lando Norris falling asleep. And then the other hand, Daniel Ricciardo was trying to choke out his uh, his race engineers. So, and of course, you've got uh, Schumacher and Vettel playing football. There were a few fantastic times there, but my memory, F1 marshals, they passed the time so well. I felt so... Five hours hours of my time. (laughs) Amazing. I I felt like (laughs) they, they passed the time so... Well, despite being, they were getting soaked. They were just in the rain. I felt for the fans, they didn't even get a refund for that. But for some reason, one of them had a bowl set. So they just (laughs) bought that out and started playing bowls in the gravel. That was fantastic. And then the other iconic moment, I'm not sure if it was the same stewards or if it was different stewards, they decided, you know what, for the day, we're going to make an imaginary pit crew. So they got a, a little uh, thing to stop the cars. And then all the all the lads went round and pretend they took the tyres off and then let them go. And it was, it was fantastic. It provided some much needed entertainment for all the fans that had paid a lot of money to see four laps and... Yeah, that was my memory of a very wet, very shambolic uh, Belgian yeah. Grand Prix last year. That was what I have gone for. Now, onto the predictions. And first of all, we're going to go 
to the prediction table, see where it lands after Hungary. And just to clear this up, we do this on average points so that people who aren't around every week can still be in contention to win. But in first place, Matt Collier, you're still at the top. Your average has dropped, though, from 3.2 to 3 points. You got two points in Hungary, so that obviously has dropped your average down, but you're still in first, so that's all that really matters. In second place, it's still Josh on, again, he's dropped 0.2 to 2.8 points, and he also got two points in Hungary. So did you, Joe, just to cut to the chase. Everyone got two points in Hungary, he predicted it. But yeah, Josh is second, 2.8 points. I wasn't here. Still third on 2.6. Joe, you're fourth on 1.9. You've stayed exactly the same, but have claimed like a really far away decimal. So yeah, yeah you're rising. Can I have that far away decimal, please? Uh, I think you've gone. I think you are on 1.875. I want you to say all the decimals. No, it is. It's 1.875, and we rounded it up to 1.9. And before okay. you were on 1.857. So, yeah, okay, I thought it was longer than that. No, it, not, not quite. But, you know, you're on your way up. So, yeah. two points in Hungary, fourth on 1.9, and then Robert is fifth on 0.5 points. Now, what we predict, let's go through it. So for the predictions, we predict the first accident, what lap it was on, first safety car, VSC or red flag, lap time as well, first pit stop and the lap, and then first blue flag and the lap. And the final thing we predict is who gets the most overtakes, as well as predicting how many overtakes they get. And I'm going to key us off for this one. And for first accident, I'm not going to lie. For all of these, I don't have any reasoning. I've gone Yuki Sonoda. Why? Who knows? Just seems like a Yuki thing to do, really. I've gone lap one. First safety car, VSC or red flag? I've gone Albon. Why? Don't know. He did it. He was the first safety car, VSC or red flag last week. So I'm going to go for him again. Lap one. First pit stop. Mick Schumacher. Why? No idea. Just feel like he might pit on lap one. And then for blue flag, do have a bit of logic here. I've gone with Latifi, and I think he is the most picked driver for any category on this ever. I've gone lap 23, reasoning being that he's the worst driver on the grid in a pretty bad car, so it kind of makes sense. Most overtakes. I'd like to go for a midfield driver here. And this week, I'm going for Valtteri Bottas. And I'm going to go for six. Those are my predictions. Matt, Joe, what are you going for? Well, you may change my predictions. I'm not going to tell you which ones, because then you'll just say, I have to say what my actual predictions. But I'm going to go, lap. Well, this is the usual, lap one, Sonoda. Not as in, again, just because it's a bit of a hothead, causes chaos. Stroll lap one for accident or safety car, just because it's Stroll. Um, then I've gone a different one, as in it's, it's pit stops now, isn't it? Yeah. I've gone Vettel on lap seven. 
Ooh. If there's a safety car, there's no logic to that. So I'm going to pick <laughs> lap. Uh, would be lap two, wouldn't it? Because there's a bunch of safety car runs out. So lap two, just just because straight after safety car, I might have damage and I might have to go to the pits. Stroll might have just stormed off. So yeah, it's be 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 a uh, Vettel on lap two. Then Latifi on lap twenty-two, exactly halfway. He's going to get lapped. And then I'm going to go for Ocon with six overtakes. Now, there's a lot of similarities. Um, first accident, I've also gone Yuki Sonoda. Lap one, uh, three in a row. Uh, first, BSC, safety car, red flag. I've gone with one new Joe, uh, lap one. Uh, first pit stop, uh, Lance Stroll, lap one. And first blue flag, well, depending on the weather and if we're actually going to get a race this weekend and if it's going to be carnage and other crashes, um, I haven't actually gone to TV because I think it's actually Ooh. very good in the wet and I don't think there'll be any blue flags. Uh, most overtakes, uh, the driver the most overtakes currently this season, Kevin Magnussen with six. Um, Sam, can I ask, you know when it says, like, when you say red flag, yeah. can weather come into that yeah. can i pick rain no it has to be a driver i'm sorry okay, okay. i was just, i was just asking just to make sure that i would have said rain but yeah that would have probably been a good prediction at belgium as well and joe you can pit on lap one because you're technically going into the pit lane before the lap has ended so you can pit on lap one okay better lap one i i just want to make sure it's it's gone from Lap seven to <laughs> lap two to lap one, but yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that I, one. I, I like it, Joe. You're just thinking <laughs> on your feet, and it's uh, it's always good entertainment. Now let's predict the podium. Now this is the big one with all the all the big names involved, and it's a bit of an unknown this weekend because, of course, the regulation change. How big an effect is that going to have? The conditions are they going to play into effect? I will kick us off. I'm not going very exciting. I've just thought I'm going to pick a candidate from the top three teams. So in third place, we're on George Russell. I've gone for Russell over Hamilton because he just did so well here last year in, in the Williams that I think that he could do the same in the Mercedes. Second, I've gone for Leclerc. I feel like it's a massive risk to pick a Ferrari in the podium at the moment, which kind of shows the state they're in. But... I'm going to back them around Spa. Hopefully, this four-week break, they've sorted out whatever issues they have. They, they they really need to sort them out. And yeah, then, yeah, just hopefully... Nah, firing's me. Just giving them a, a encouragement that they can they can do it, you know? Giving them a bit of... Maybe also a warning that they might get fired if that doesn't improve. But yeah, first place, Max Verstappen... He's going to win the championship. He's my driver in first. Okay, so that's that's, that's interesting. Well, mine is very different to that. Um, I'm going to go for a very solid choice in Russell P3. So I've gone the same as you. P2, I've gone Lewis. And I don't know, I'm a bit mixed between either the going Leclerc, just uh, if Ferrari suddenly had uh, the early... Um, the early demo of uh, F1 Manager just coming out in tomorrow, or 
or no today or in uh, on the 30th um <laughs> or max so um i don't know what it's, it's so it's a bit bit of but i think I, i'm gonna go what i hope just because i like doing that and i'll go over the clear and also helps my fantasy so i'll go over the clear uh, I'll go through mine, uh, going from third to first. I've also got the same driver you've all picked in third. I think Russell finished third, Hamilton second, uh, Verstappen first, a very common podium. Um, yeah, nothing really exciting. That, that is solid. You're top of the table, Matt, so we need to be the ones learning from you. So no pressure, but make sure you don't bottle it. Make sure you don't bottle it. But... That wraps up our podcast previewing the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. It's good to be back and we're looking forward to bringing you some content in the coming weeks. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment down below your predictions. If you want to stay up to date with what is happening at the Scenario 7 podcast, our links are down below. And I know that Matt's posting some content over there at the moment. So make sure you go support us. And Matt, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Cheers.